0: Welcome to Behind the Paranormal, with Paul and Ben Eno.
1: Has there been a new triangle UFO sighting over Connecticut? Is there a new interpretation for reincarnation? Could at least some Bigfoot creatures actually be ghosts? Hello and
2: welcome to uh, the 700th. 63rd edition almost at 36 uh behind the paranormal with paul and ben eno here on WON 1240 uh am and 99.3 fm uh, and, and our 11th year on the air i'm ben and those diverse questions came from my co-host partner in the paranormal and father paul and uh today on this show we bring you an open line show with a panel of pretty interesting people. I think we need more alliterations in every single sentence. Um we welcome it's a thing. I, it is a thing and I enjoy the thing. Uh so we welcome your calls today. Numbers are uh, 401-766-1240, and that's from anywhere, and you can also send us emails during the show and after the show, um, and before the show, if you can mess with the multiverse. Uh, Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com for those.
1: Now, with us today is our popular guest co-host, the paranormal adventurer and broadcaster, Shane Searway. Shane, say hello to the nice people, and tell us a little bit about yourself for those who very In the unlikely event, anybody doesn't know who you are, for, who listens to this show.
0: Hey, everybody. 30, over 30 years of experience doing paranormal and ufology stuff. And, um, my website is TrueGhost.com, and uh, my contact information is there. But I, nice to uh, be back.
1: Okay. And uh, for his first time on the show, Bigfoot adventurer Dave McCulloch. Now, Dave, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Sure. Uh,
3: thank you for having me on. Uh, but
1: I've been researching
3: for since 2005, so 13 years actually out in the field, being involved in the search or the quests. I had a lifelong interest in it, but outstanding. Yeah. Okay. Yes.
1: And joining us via Skype today is astronomer and UFO legend Mark D'Antonio. Mark, how are you this uh, this fine day?
4: Hey guys, how you doing? And, and Ben, that was brilliantly bombastic. I thought it was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ta- I, I again see the, what you did there. It was clever.
1: Again, in the unlikely event, so people who know who you are, Mark, just uh, say uh, eight or ten words about yourself, and uh, we'll get going.
4: Um, okay. I'm the chief photo and video analyst for the Mutual UFO Network. Uh, I run the Sky Tour live stream, uh, live Deep Sky Observatory, uh, which is on YouTube. You can check it out. And uh, I do a lot of uh, – I appear on a lot of TV shows talking about uh, UFO sightings and doing analysis.
1: Okay, well, let's dive right in. Uh, our first one is the difficult one because there is a photo. It's very difficult to deal with photos on the radio. Mm-hmm. However, we have revived, for those of you who have Internet access, the Talking Points page on our website, behind behindtheparanormal.com. And if you go to the um, upcoming shows, uh, W-O-O-N, uh, the first one is this one, and on the bottom there's a little red link that says see the talking points for this show and you'll be able to see the photograph that we will discuss. Uh, This is from sent in by Chelsea in Connecticut. Ben, if you want to read what Chelsea writes. So, Chelsea
2: writes to us, uh, One of my friends uh, says she always sees weird things in the sky and every time uh, before she sees uh, the light around her um, stretch out and glare, uh, she took this this photo in her apartment complex. I hope you find it interesting. Um, And then I'll... I'll, uh, switch it back over to you dad and i'll i'll uh get, okay. a, get a photo
1: up there now if uh maybe uh, yeah you can get the photo there uh so anybody who happens to be watching on a device can, it a glossy
3: finish, too.
1: Uh, can see it okay so uh, i think um by uh, some strange coincidence we have mark with us who is a photo and video um, expert from Mufon. mark uh we sent you this photo and what do you think of this
4: uh, yeah, I've been trying to actually find that photo. <laughs> you <know>, you sent <laughs> it on your website. Just tell me the link really fast. I'm on your website now.
1: Oh, okay. Actually, I sent it to you uh, by, via Messenger as well.
4: Yeah, I was looking for it in Messenger. Actually. Okay.
1: Uh, go to, um, and this is for anybody, I guess. Go to, uh, the upcoming shows link on the website. Okay. okay find yeah. That. All right. And, uh, the first one is this one, and uh, the red link is on the bottom of the announcement about this show, and that'll take you to the... The photo. Uh, All
4: right. I'm at the upcoming shows. Yeah. Uh, I like when people take photographs, by the way, because photos are wonderful. Uh, they they give us something to bite into, you know, for each sighting. Sure. So I see uh, I see the image now. Okay. Okay. And this was from Chelsea in Connecticut. And I see that she took a photo of, uh, it looks like a street light yep. or a, a set of street lights. And then we see these three objects off to the left. The first thing to notice, first of all, I, I think I know what this is. I'm sorry, Chelsea. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe You're this such is a, killjoy. a there, unfortunately, yeah. uh, caused by the very bright lights themselves. Um, and you can tell, you can actually do a little self-analysis yourself on, on many of these things, because look at the lights. Uh, there actually is more than one light there. You can tell there's more than one light. And I'm pretty much sure it's going to look like that pattern on the left. And that pattern on the left is a lens flare from those lights and you can actually see the actual lights themselves uh, in such flares many times and because they're secondary reflections too now it's also symmetric across the middle of the the, uh, image and that's a dead giveaway that it's probably a lens flare as well Mm -hmm. sad to say that uh, this one i wish you know i was anxious to look because it was like ah, ufo let's check it out well unfortunately i think not in this case well
1: there you go um having done photography in the military myself i i would agree 100 uh, percent the first thing i thought was lens flare and the first thing i noticed was that there appeared to be three bright street lights as well and as uh, so that that's the kind of thing that suggested itself to me so yeah, once again thanks. sorry chelsea uh any, anybody else have any some comments on this uh, on our panel okay all right so let's go on to our next one uh, Michael in New Hampshire. Michael in New Hampshire. Okie
2: doke. Uh, should I k- jump to the highlighted portion, or could go for the whole the whole thing?
1: Uh, well, I think you could. Oh uh, no, the highlighted portion is just the news report. Oh, oh okay, this, then so
2: never mind. Okay, so yeah, just, thing, just, read just ignore me. everything I just said. Um, so uh, Mike in uh, New Hampshire writes to us. Explain this to me now, or maybe Mark uh, would like to jump in. So Earth's orbit, no good. Uh, we would whiz right around uh, before you had time to uh, read the nutritional info. Oh, actually,
1: uh, let me interrupt you there, Ben, and correct myself. Maybe maybe we should make reference. Th- th- this, this is a news item that the, uh, someone in China, some scientist, wants to put a satellite okay. into orbit that will be like a, an, an artificial moon illuminating this one city, okay, uh, and the the, uh, the researcher is Wu Chun, Chunfeng, I believe it's pronounced, and he's one of the contractors for the Chinese Space Agency, which is a formidable organization. And the city of Chengdu uh, is the is the city that's going to be illuminated by this supposedly. And it just I don't everything seems strange about this, but how do you illuminate just one city? From orbit, which of course is, is, I don't know. So um, I'll just continue where Ben left off here. Uh, Michael in New Hampshire is skeptical about this and is saying it could be geostationary. In other words, the satellite could just, uh, correspond to the, the, uh, the turning of the earth and be in one place essentially. Um And uh, Michael is skeptical about how how this would work. Uh, Say they do find, this is Michael's letter, say they do find a way that would solve both these problems, uh, you know, the the whizzing by, if it's not geostationary or geosynchronous, and then if it is. Uh, What if other places, presumably it would be visible also to people in other countries, would not care to see a light that bright in the sky at night, would be very upset about it? What about their rights to a darkened sky? The idea is as dumb as a basket of doorknobs. Unquote. Mark, what say you?
4: Well, you know, I've I story rather extensively. Actually, before you guys had it uh, on your show here, I, I caught the story. And my first thought was, as your, your uh, listener was correct, you have to make it geostationary. So that means it has to be 22,000 miles away. Why that far? Because that's how far you have to go so that the time it takes the satellite to go around the Earth once is exactly one day. That's the only way you can get a satellite to hover, so to speak, Over one location on the planet. That said, (laughs) light actually uh, diminishes by the square of the distance away. That means that the light at that location will be 506 million times fainter than it would be if it was on the Earth. What does that mean? It means that the object has to be huge out of geostationary orbit to reflect enough light from the sun to cause this, quote-unquote, dusk appearance, as the story uh, dictates. So uh, that is... Uh, next to impossible uh, to actually happen, and I think that's crazy. Um, now, it's going to also cost, uh, and they said it was going to put it, they were going to put it up to like avoid having to put up lights, you know, street lights. Oh, that's wonderful. How much the street lights cost versus a cost to launch a a a, <laughs> a, a gigantic craft into space? It's going to cost. Let's say they get it down like the shuttle. Uh It'll cost just over 200 million to launch the shuttle. You know, the the system, the launch system itself. Then they're going to have to take millions of dollars and develop these geostationary uh, uh, satellite system to uh, deploy a gigantic Mylar wing or something that's going to a Mylar disc that's going to uh, reflect sunlight. Now it's not impossible for uh, a glare to show up only at on one spot. In fact, we see it all the time when the Iridium satellites go over. There's a well-known glare. You know, it's called an Iridium flare that you can see. You can get the timings. You can go out and look for it. And you can see a little satellite coming by, and all of a sudden, it brightens up so bright that sometimes you can almost see your shadow by it. I actually saw two like that, all right? Now, that flare is literally unique to you uh, and the the town. Uh, But with two towns away, that flare may not show up because it's a very small reflection coming off the satellite. And that's in orbit only about, you know, 400 miles up. So just imagine it, 22,300 miles they could they could make it directed. They could make it so no one else sees it. I don't have any doubt about that. But I don't think they can get it bright enough. I don't think they could actually launch it and make it be more economical than just putting up some darn streetlights. No, there you no, go. That's what I say.
1: Okay, well, I think uh, I couldn't uh, follow up on that one. So um, let's go to Mike in Redding, California, Ben, and uh, we have a Bigfoot-related question.
2: Sure. Uh, so, Mike writes to us, I have heard uh, several times in your show that we bring our own energies to a paranormal experience and that the paranormal entities uh, might make us see what they want us to see. I I know this uh, gets complicated, but do you think that aliens could present themselves as Bigfoot or vice versa? Uh, Paul and Ben always talk about parasites pretending to be ghosts of loved ones or even aliens, or uh, they might actually be aliens. Has anybody on the panel had encounters that uh, could be any of the above? And I think before we get started, we should um, we should clarify that first portion of the sentence. Uh, that I, I would say we don't bring our own energies per se. We bring our own perceptions, which mm. is a, a very different different um, um, sen- sentence than saying you know we we put into it what we get out of it. Right. So we br- whatever we bring to it, we get out. There we yeah. go. Uh, that's, that's all I wanted to say before we get started.
1: Okay. Well, everybody here in studio has had some kind of Bigfoot experience. So I'm gonna. You're a Bigfoot You're a Bigfoot, uh, repre- you're, you're Bigfoot's representative on the panel today, Dave McCulloch. So, uh, wh- what, what do you think about this question? Do you, do you think what, when we see Bigfoot, it might actually be something else?
3: Well, I think most of them, it's a, a physical being. Obviously, they're seeing a big, hairy. But it, it's really. Um, mind-boggling how nothing can be taken from any of this like the sightings are everywhere all the time just like the UFO phenomena all the time a lot of them in the same areas like why can't we just answer this and end the whole mystery
1: yeah uh Shane you you've had uh, a few interesting experiences here
0: yeah. but yeah it seems like he's he's asking a few questions in this too um more than just on the big book. but yeah um, we see the Bigfoot, the UFO, the haunted houses are all in our flat areas that we investigate, they seem to go hand in hand. I think it's because of the certain mechanics that are present in these areas that are allowing these things to come through, and come back and forth because we you know, it tends to uh, reason that that if you know, that these Bigfoot, these Sasquatch may be multiversal because where do they go, you know? Um, but for for me, like, you know, as a small kid, um, this is to answer one of the other questions that the veteran here um, that I think he's wondering about I started seeing like a man at the foot of my bed in this house that my mother thought was haunted um, but then it changed as so it wasn't a man it would be different types of creatures until the till it finally made contact with me one night and when it did that night it was it was a gray looking alien and 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 I continued to have experience with th- those grays for the rest of my life um, but it started with that and um but yeah, the um, I'm not sure about Bigfoot turning into alien or alien being Bigfoot. You know, I'm not sure about that. A lot of people believe that that's what the case is. You know, um, that, or some people actually believe that Bigfoot. Are, are made by the aliens to do the, you know, the heavy work, you know, um, because they're big and strong and they can go through. Well, let you me know, know where you can get one. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. But, so I'm not sure. We yeah. don't, we don't know any any of that for sure. So I, I usually only speak on facts and there are things that I've experienced, But um, but they, one thing is for certain is they tend to show up in the same places that we know. So there's got to be some kind of link. Okay.
1: Dave had a comment? I will add that, um,
3: that there are different camps, not just if it's real or not, but among the Bigfoot community, there's so much just a, another flesh and blood, undiscovered animal, primate. or um, Others, it is an alien. Others, it is, um, as Shane was just saying, uh, slaves to the Anunnaki. Oh, yeah. I've read into some stuff about that. that it's a thought, but there's, there's been giant skeletons found all over the country, all over the world, actually. Hmm. Some of them say they're still in the mounds that uh, someone sent to the Smithsonian Institution, which just disappeared. The whole box disappeared. Yeah, we've had
1: guests talking about that same thing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think Nine, ten-foot
3: skeletons, you know, Georgia, a lot of the southern states.
2: Yeah. So what camp do you find yourself in?
3: I am, like, on the fence. I know there's something there. I've heard them. I've been very close to them on occasions. We call them uh, tree pushovers. I've had two of those in the last two years where, and it's in a spot where we know, we've gone in for quite a few miles and as far as you can get a car, we didn't see any cars, so probably six, seven miles from any houses or any, so we rule out pranksters. or I mean, there's no signs of anyone even being there, so... Yeah, it tends to be really either relationship. Like, we well, you hear a couple yeah. cracks, but then we heard on one occasion it was, you could literally hear the bending of it, and it was right where there was probably 12 of us, and another member and I stayed back, and everyone else left to the cars. And this was when they were doing some knocks and yells. It was pretty quiet. And it was on a, um, it was in Mason, New Hampshire, and it was on like a peninsula. So we knew there was nothing there but the woods, and it was like out in the middle of a lake. So we're watching them go back, and we have thermal images. We're looking around, nothing. Uh, We let them get back to the cars, and nothing. We were just whispering to each other. But as soon as we started walking, you could hear the cracking, cracking, but literally the bending of, you know, if you've heard a tree in the wind Mm -hmm. bending, and then just a loud crack and a loud slam on the ground. You could really feel the ground shaking pretty much. And we both looked. We didn't see it. We had thermals. There's no explanation to Nothing out there. There were some rocks. There was an old, you know the old stone walls that divide property. There was the way, that. Yeah. We went up. There was nothing to be found, no heat signature anywhere, and it was just baffling. And he's uh, a longtime BFO, Jeff Shepard out of, um, yeah, he's from Massachusetts also, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he was with me. I'm glad someone was with me because it was like we both, and no, and they didn't hear it. That's the funny thing. It, they were actually still on eyesight. It wasn't that far. And they they didn't even know what we got back. Did you hear that? No one no one heard the tree get pushed over or hmm. very baffling. And there was some stuff, there is a case that you guys would be interested in that there was a murder there, and I think it was the 80s, and they say it's a very haunted road. A guy got, it was a um, drug deal gone bad, and that's where they took him to this road.
0: This is, this is Pratt Pond, correct?
2: I,
3: I believe it is. Yep, I believe it is. You're home. right,
0: Jane. It's one town over from me, and I've investigated that area. yeah, Yep. 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 Right. And
3: we had uh, another woman with us that was very spiritual and psychic, Deirdre Hoffman. I don't know if any of you guys know who she is, but mm. she felt a lot of, and the property owner that took us down there, he's had a lot of Bigfoot UFO stuff <laughs> over the years, and um, he was walking with me, and he goes, now don't say nothing to her at all. And right where this happened, she goes, oh, my God, something just whacked me on the back of the head. And it was in this little
1: dirt path where this happened. And you're familiar with it, too. So, Mm -hmm. Well, as far as what Bigfoot actually is, we've talked about this, uh, and Ben and I have discussed it a lot. It could be all of the above. It could be a perfectly physical creature that comes and goes by means of the membranes between these parallel worlds that physicists talk about. And that's what, essentially what the natives will tell you, the, and the, they'll call them shapeshifters. You know, And so uh, I, don't, I always find there are two groups you want to talk to when you're researching anything out, outdoors. One is hunters, because they see everything. And, of course, if it's a, if it's a recreation of hikers, too, but particularly hunters. Uh, and uh, the uh, members of native tribes, if there are any, because they've seen everything uh, three times over over the years, too. So um, as far as what it is, maybe we can't um, get Mike's question totally answered today, but it could be all of the above. So.
3: But if I could just answer Ben's, I don't think I have oh, a game sure, of oh, um, I flat answer. Sorry,
1: That's
3: fine. I would be in the uh, the thing that baffles is the cases where the foot, tra- foot tracks end, some of them in the snow.
1: The mm-hmm. tracks
3: just Doesn't stop you nuts? out in the middle of a field. Yeah. And that's why I think there's different kinds. There has to be, if we look at the Patterson creature on the film, why didn't that one just go to another, where they go, step into another dimension yeah. or whatever they do, shape shift? Yeah. Or all of a sudden they were, I've heard stuff like that, all of a sudden they were a stump or a tree or, yeah. a, you know, uh, a natural camouflage. I'm not sure if you ever saw the, last year a woman filmed an actual shape of something that reflected the trees. It was almost like a predator from the movie Predator. She could see uh-huh. a shape going Camouflage. through. Camouflage. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. I saw that. Cloaking. They call it cloaking. I, that. Um, I could try to pull that up and post it on you. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. I, yeah. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, she mm. heard a twig and you can actually see it. There's just something going right down the path. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best I could describe it, or it looks like, yeah. is the predator. Send us
1: a link on that, Dave. We'll put sure, it on, I will. The, uh, on the talking points. Yeah, the show. that was
3: in uh, Washington State. Excellent.
1: Um, okay, I think we'll have one more question before the break, and then I want to get into some uh, more interesting doings in Connecticut uh, that people may never have heard of. Uh, ben, what do we got? from... Uh, we have Kathy from Houston, Texas.
2: Uh, so Kathy writes to us, uh, Do you believe in reincarnation in the soul's journey? I've been doing a lot of, of study and given your line of work, I'd be interested in your thoughts.
1: Well, a nice, uh, simple, and short question.
2: Well... <laughs> You know, um, it's it's one of those questions, it's like, oh, it's like one sentence, but it's like the answer will be like, you know, the rest of the
1: show. <laughs> all right, well, just briefly, I'll let Ben take it, but uh, since Einstein in 1952 essentially proved that time does not exist past the future, it's all simultaneous, how do you have reincarnation? It would be more likely the experience is parallel lives rather than successive lives. I don't know, Ben.
2: Okay, well, there's a few questions we have to ask first. Um, I believe... Well, what what is the soul's journey, is the question. Well, what is the soul? Exactly. So it's like, you know, I I feel like before you even get to any of these topics, you have to really define your terms here. So, I mean, you know, what do we mean by reincarnation, right? Um, Are we talking about the, you know, the 19th century spiritualist approach, or are we talking about, you know, um, the Buddhist and Hindu approach, which is, they're both vastly different from each other. Because you know the whole the whole point of reincarnation, as the idea officially started, was you know you're trying to break the cycle of reincarnation, and achieve your way to nirvana, like to get to get out of the cycle of death, rebirth, death, rebirth. It was viewed as a bad thing. So when that somehow got brought over here by spiritualists in like the ni- in the early 19th the 19th and 20th century, it was like oh, okay cool. So I'm me now, which means when I die, I'll be me again forever. And it's a very individualized, very narrow and two-dimensional approach to the subject of death. That it's like, okay, cool, so that means I'm never going to die. Nice. All right. Awesome. Nice. Sick. This is great. So it, it's so really, when we talk about reincarnation and, you know, um, the pop sort of like, oh, well, you know, I was like uh, an Inuit shaman when in my past life. It's like, you know, you could still be that Inuit shaman. In you know in a parallel world, that's how you sort of interact with all these things because all these things are going on all at once. Which would mean you know I'm not only me, but in another world I'm my dad, in another world I'm Dave, in another world I'm Shane, in another world you guys are all me, in another world we're all this board here that our voices are going into. So I mean you know it's it's one of those things where um I th- I think you know you have to you have to start way before you get to all right. Do you believe in reincarnation, the soul's journey? <laughs> you have to get down to what's the basis of your beliefs first. Yeah. So it's like you got to find that foundation before you can even start building
4: walls or frames or anything.
1: Let's get Mark in on this. Mark, do you have any thoughts on this? I know it's not uh, strictly your... Yeah,
4: it's not a... It's, it it really has to do a lot with uh, the concept of what is life itself, I guess. And so when when I think about it, you know, for me, I, I've had some strange experiences that my science cannot explain, and I... I'll leave it at that, obviously. Uh, but uh, it's true that a lot we don't know, and I think that there are possibly parallel universes based on uh, papers submitted to uh, very prestigious journals in astronomy and, and physics. Um, and these papers seem to indicate that there may be parallel universes, and if that's true. Uh, perhaps we just bop from universe to universe uh, and, and start over there. I mean, or if, if at all. I don't know um i certainly don't believe in the same kind of dogma we've been taught as kids you know i think that uh that's not that's not for me so i don't by that but i do think that uh the answer actually will be found in science and i think that someday uh, we'll have a better foundation right now i can only speculate just as as you guys i don't have much more to say than that
1: okay fair enough uh shane any thoughts on
0: yeah yeah um I agree with Mark one day science will figure it out because it's going to be you know um, an equation and and um, everything has an equation you know in a mechanical makeup and it's just the matter of figuring it out but I like the idea that because um, we don't know for sure so but I, I like the idea that we we possibly may be living parallel lives you know in different different worlds um, and and possibly for the reason of um, to learn and grow and connect our own dots and, and to graduate spiritually and then possibly we move on to some, when we reach that point we move on to somewhere more divine but but I like the uh, I like to think that you know it seems logical that there's possibly parallel worlds that we're living
1: okay. Well, we're going to take our bottom-of-the-hour break. We'll come back, and if Dave has a thought on that subject, we'll uh, deal with it at that point. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON, 1240 AM and 99.3 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley on a gorgeous day. And we'll be right back, so stick with us.
0: This is Bob Vila, and my daily home improvement tip will help you keep those little problems around the house from becoming big ones. The Bob Vila Home Improvement Tip of the Day can be heard every day on ON 1240 One Socket Radio at 745 in the morning. The Bob Vila Home Improvement Tip of the Day is brought to you by Cumberland Kitchen and Bath Design Center in the McDonald's Plaza, Menden Road in Cumberland. Visit them online at cumberlandkitchen.com.
1: Hi, I'm Dave Gobiel, the president of the Blackstone Valley Buy Local Group, supporting and promoting the independently owned businesses of our area. If you're not a member, I'd love a chance to sign you up. Message me at our Buy Local Blackstone Valley Facebook page or go to buylocalbv.org if you wish to sign up today.
4: Shop local first,
2: all across the area. Shop here first. O-N oh, and Radio.
1: And welcome back Behind the Paranormal. We have an open line show today with... Uh, a really, really great panel, uh, here on ON 1240, uh, AM and 993 FM. We have, uh, of course, Ben and myself. We have Mark D'Antonio, uh, coming to us via Skype from uh, his lair in Connecticut. And, um, he is the, uh, MUFON's director of, national director of video and photo analysis. And we've already gotten into some of that. We have Shane Searway, a very, very familiar co-host with with us um, on many shows here at uh, ON1240, and uh, Dave McCulloch, a Bigfoot aficionado and expert of many years, and uh, we're very happy to have everybody with us today. So let's uh, finish up the reincarnation question we got from Kathy in Houston, Texas, with any thoughts that Dave might have.
3: Um, I was going to think what Mark was saying about school. We're not taught about any of these phenomena in school, and, start to think that none of this is real and um Mm -hmm. there has to be another energy another dimension that just we haven't tapped into and uh i hope someday that when we say like well i get this a lot from people don't you think they would have found one by now and i always say who's they who do you mean by they exactly because they won't put they have never put a dime into this it's all amateur people people that just want to find answers and um there's very few in our field, anyways, in the Bigfoot community that uh, credited PhDs. There's only a handful. It's, they come and go, and, you know, some of them have seen them, but some of them will spend their whole life and uh, just go against the grain. And you'd re- I'd really like to see them step up and really just put an end to all this, disclose everything to the people. This is what yeah. I mean, thousands and millions of people are all seeing things. There's videos. There's... You name it. It's... Um, I just hope science does put an end to it, yeah. but as far as the reincarnation, I would have to, I think there was something else afterwards, with all the ghost stuff, and all the, yeah. uh,
1: exact. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's move on to a question, uh, this comes from our, our casting producer, Lori Greer, who was supposed to be on our panel today, but couldn't make it, um, from her domain in, uh, New York, um, and uh, I'm a, she says I'm a longtime resident of Connecticut and have never heard of, had never heard of the legend of the melon Heads. although I have uh, heard many stories regarding tales of events that occurred in the area of the now closed Fairfield Hills. That's the Fairfield Hills State Hospital in south uh, southeastern Connecticut, southwestern Connecticut and the Garner Correctional Facility. Recently in Danbury, uh, Connecticut, there was a presentation on the Head legends. The photos that I've seen are similar to some of the photos that I've seen in presentations from Paul and Shane. Why are the legends of this phenomenon based in Connecticut, Michigan, and Ohio? What are the connections? Um, I-, I have to go back. I don't know if Lori remembers this, but uh, I've known Lori since 1975, uh, back when I was uh, sort of just er- in my early cases in this field. Now, she never came along with me, but I would... I guess uh, uh, amaze her with stories of some of the things I was seeing, and this Mellonhead thing came up in a conversation uh, at one point. I don't know; she was like 20, and uh, you know, um, and I don't think she remembers. So the legend, essentially, as I understand it, well, I'll turn it over to the panel. Maybe Mark knows about this being a another Connecticut uh, denizen. Uh, of the old country there, uh, that these essentially were, th- these state hospitals were pretty horrific places. Now, as a seminary student, I worked in one in Augensburg, New York, where I had those exorcism experiences that I wish I could forget. Uh, also, I worked a bit at Norwich State Hospital in Connecticut. I never worked at Fairfield Hills uh, as a, you know, in pastoral capacity as a student for the priesthood. But there were stories of strange experiments being done. And the, some of the the, uh, the patients developing uh, uh, hydrocephaly, which is, was an enlargement of the head, and that's where the whole melon head thing came from. It doesn't sound very kind, but there were legends that, that these... This is something out of some B-movie from the 50s, that they escaped and were living on, on, on these dirt roads uh, in Connecticut, particularly, uh, and also in uh, Ohio and Michigan, and... Um, Fairfield County, Connecticut, is a particular location of this. New Haven County, Trumbull, Shelton, Monroe, uh, this area that, that was the domain of the Ed Lorraine Warren, for some strange reason, and that's where they where they lived, and there are a couple of Connecticut variations. Uh, there's actually a, a street. Uh, I believe, called Dracula Drive. I don't think that's the actual name, but that's in uh, Fairfield County, Connecticut. in are rural and forested sections. And th- this is an area that's pretty built up. It's not far from New York City, and you'd think that legends like this wouldn't grow up, but there's a lot of rural area in that, and there have been Bigfoot sightings, as you know, Dave, uh, in that area. Um, we In the... Torrington, Connecticut area, Goshen, where, where we work this Litchfield triangle, as we call it. There have been Bigfoot sightings and mm-hmm. footage taken of this. So, um, apparently the proximity to New York City does not phase a lot of these phenomena. Um, I have never believed that the Mellonhead thing is true, but that's essentially the background. Now, Shane, I, I think you know something about this. If you'd like to comment,
0: yeah, I I'll go to
1: Mark and then Dave.
0: I've only heard the story about them. I've never researched it um, or have gone into the areas, but I I did work with a, a researcher years and years ago. I don't even remember the person's name. But it was so long ago. Who who told me they encountered uh, these melon heads on on some road where he was investigating uh, uh, claims of uh, ghosts and stuff like that. But he ended up running into what he, he 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 didn't know what they were. He had to look it up and found the stories of the melon heads or whatever. So, but. Um, you know, that's that's yeah. all I got. I, I well, didn't know there's too much. a
1: list of roads here. I know we have a lot of listeners in Connecticut, so head out there tonight and turn yeah. off your car lights and see if they can see any melon <laughs> heads. So- Halloween spirit. Yes, Sawmill City Road in Shelton, Edmonds Road in Oxford, Velvet Street in Trumbull and Monroe it runs through both towns. Zion Hill Road in Milford, the roads around Lake Mohegan and Fairfield, Marginal Road in, in New Haven, Jeremy Swamp Road in Southbury, and uh, various passing roads around the Roosevelt a forest in Stratford. So, I mean, that's, I don't know. Mark, have you ever heard of this?
4: Actually, I've I, I heard the melon head story in the past, and I attributed it to being one of those legends that grows out of a small nugget of truth. Um, there probably was someone with hydrocephalus, uh, and this person was probably seen outside at some point. Uh, but Connecticut isn't the only place. See, Michigan also had melon heads. Mm-hmm. So you can see I've been looking into this a little bit more, just, you know, Connecticut. I clearly I, I was interested at one point, uh, to find out the root cause. I'm always looking for root causes, and, and so, mm-hmm. uh, the root cause and the nugget of truth, you know, uh, is to me that there was probably, uh, um, hydrocephalus, uh, children or adults, that that, you know, uh, had deformed, uh, skulls and so forth and were viewed as, uh, outsiders, you know, monsters, and, and then the legends are born. That's, that's kind of how I feel. I don't, I don't think that we actually have melon heads, you know.
1: Hey, attacking uh, people on dirt roads at night. Yes. I and tend to agree, Mark. You know, we always yeah. look for the root causes as well, and any student of folklore will tell you that any legend that you have today started with some kind of grain of truth, no matter how much baggage it picked up over the years.
0: Actually, uh, the thing that, um, that I saw in my backyard, some might have perceived as a melon head. It okay. had a real large head. Huh. But I looked at more like an alien thing that I was staring at, but, you know, depending well, on the labels
1: we put on stuff right. to, to, so, to make it so that we can understand them. But I know in, in the context of when Laurie and I were talking about this 42 years ago, good grief, uh, In both living in Connecticut, not too far from that vicinity where these legends uh, occurred, um, I had thought that there, were, there was an agricultural basis some of this. These are all rural areas. Michigan, Ohio, and areas where the melon heads have been reported. Uh, I can just see uh, farmer's kids, you know, seeing the scarecrow or something, because they know it's a scarecrow, but aha, it it looks pretty weird, and it's Halloween. So you can just see these things kind of growing, so that would be my thought. Dave, do you have any thoughts on melon heads? I've never
3: looked into it or researched it. you got your hands full with bigfoot. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I'm (laughs) kind of a one-dimensional. Well, (laughs) Well, no, no. (laughs) I have looked into a lot. Actually started out with UFO stuff for years with In Search of and, all, and uh and an uncle telling me of a sighting when I was oh, young. I never knew that's, that. That's what kind of got me into this. Got me into watching In Search of and huh. I said it at the conference, but uh, he told me when he was, when I was a little kid and he just passed a few years ago and I I asked him that and he was a hundred percent. Oh, do, what do you think? I'm lying to you? What did you think? I would never make that up and. <laughs> So that kind of got me on the track, but Melonheads, no, I've never never read the stories. Or
1: well, some of the things I've heard, you're lucky. So yeah. you are. All right, let's go to uh, Callie from Ocala, Florida, Ben.
2: Oh, yes, I'm actually looking forward to this. Um, so Callie writes to us, Have any of you watched The uh, Haunting of Hill House on Netflix? Uh, what do you think of the concepts... And the uh, ghosts. What do you think? Uh, what do you think they are encourage? Uh, what do you think they are encouraging people to wake up by dying? And or and do you think they are encouraging people to wake up by dying? There we go. Um, you know, I think I think first things first. Uh, the Haunting of Hill House on Netflix is the third or the second remake of the initial um, The Haunting, uh, made in 1963. 62, 63. Three, it was 63. Three? Yeah. yeah uh, it, was, it was a British horror film. Um, based on a book called The Haunting of Hill House by Niall Sterling
1: uh, No, uh Shirley Jackson. Shirley Jackson. One of my favorite authors.
2: Yeah, and it's it's it, and then they did a remake in the early 2000s with Liam Neeson um Catherine Zeta-Jones, and uh, for some reason they had Owen Wilson in there and a couple other people, oh. and it was, <laughs> and it, it wasn't, it wasn't as good. The initial actually made it a Martin Scorsese's list of the top ten or top eleven scariest films of all time, hmm, and it was, wow. a, it was a good movie. Like the haunt, the initial haunting, um, of it, the initial of the haunting was actually a, a box office flop. <laughs>
1: was it? <laughs> yeah, wow.
2: yeah, Thank it man. actually flopped. They had a budget of like a, a million, like point five or something and they only made like a million
1: point three <laughs> so well i was amazed by it because it was obviously filmed in England and everybody's driving on on the right hand side of the road I don't know how they managed that but
2: <laughs> I mean why not but it was a, it was actually like a, it was a good movie like they, it was it was actually like far ahead of its time um, and I, I briefly started watching the new one on Netflix and I was like it's it's just not the same and like you know I know this is this isn't this probably just isn't the question but it's it's I don't know. I th- I think I think it's you know any, any modern takes on a remake. You know sometimes it can be done well, but I can't think of any off the top of my head that have been done well. Mm. Um, but you know it it was it's it's a remake. That's that's all it really is. And I don't I don't think there's anything new that's in there except for special effects. Um, you know the the initial one was kind of groundbreaking back in '63 because you no know, it was just filmed in such a style that was very not like you know the 50s and 60s style like big budget epics it was it was it was filmed like in a very intimate way as opposed to like you know Cleopatra that came out the same year hmm. um and like you know Julius Caesar and all all that stuff so it's it's very it was very different for its time and i think that you know trying to reinvent the wheel here just didn't really make the cut hmm. so that's the stylistic portion of it content wise um i just i don't think it brings anything new I think that it's just, you know, it's just it's just a story. I don't I don't I don't take it as gospel. I don't I don't take it as anything that's like um, you know, it's just you know garden variety stuff.
1: Uh, uh, Mark, any thoughts on that? I don't know if you've seen it.
4: Uh, I have not seen it, no. Okay, well that's easy. All right.
0: <laughs> Shane. <laughs> there well, it is.
4: The shortest thing I'll ever say, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've heard a lot about it. A lot of people I know love it. They say it starts off slow but then they really get into it um, as as the season goes on. So, because of that, I did. We, me and my wife, sat down, and watched the, um, the first e- uh, episode so far. But I was so tired, I don't rem- remember it. So I have to revisit it. But,
2: all right.
0: but that's all I have. All right. on just there. watch the original one.
1: <laughs> the yeah, original. I, one I, one, I will. I
0: have not seen it.
1: Well, uh, I have watched the whole thing. Oh, you did. it. And the reason is that uh, I, I love the stories of Shirley Jackson, uh, who was, uh, I guess, just sort of, a, as it was known at the time, a housewife who just you know, like Agatha Christie. Who just picked up the pen one day and to end. she just went for it. Mostly short stories, but brilliant, brilliant stories, I think, with all kinds of strange twists and turns. And uh, The Haunting of Hill House was, was one of those. And I was also intrigued because um, the center of the story in all the remakes is pretty much the crane family. Mm-hmm. In the original and in the one with Liam Neeson, the cranes are doing the haunting. Yeah. And in the, uh, the final one on Netflix, the cranes are the family experiencing the haunting. And uh, my great-great-great... I don't know if you know this, ben, but your great-great-great-grandmother on your my mother's side was a crane.
2: Oh, actually, I even, didn't know that. Even
1: spelled the same way. Huh. F- from 1825, she was born. <laughs> so, um, obviously, this is not a true story as far as I know, but Shirley Jackson would tie in a lot of legends and stuff. So what did you think of the new one? Well, I don't particularly... I, I, I was drawn to the idea that people... There was a paper in London that published a story that people were... Fainting from fear and running to their psychiatrist. I mean, give me a break. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, I was that, that wimped out article. that we can't look at a horror movie anymore.
2: Well, yeah, it's gory. That's yeah, that's really it. You know, yeah. they just because the whole point of it was it was a psychological thriller.
1: Precisely. The whole that, point is that exactly. you're
2: experiencing all the horror in your mind. There's it's, not a it's drop the,
1: of blood in the original one. No,
2: it's just you tension.
1: Know. Like you know, it's this just so b- brilliantly written. I don't like the foul mouths right. on the family. I, I don't think that's necessary. Uh, but writers today can't write, so they put that in, you know. And the uh, Dave's nodding in agreement, and I, you know knows what I mean. You
2: going to keep people's attention. Violence. Well, blood, I got my
1: attention, and it just language. distracted
2: it exactly. <laughs> well, there's plenty of great psychological thrillers out there now that exist. I mean, like Nightcrawler was great, and it was you know it was probably one of Jake Gyllenhaal's best films. Hmm. And it, it's you know I think I think that the most writers from some horror writers that I know. They there's two there's two schools of thought that essentially when it comes to writing horror there's like body horror like so like gore and all that stuff and then there's psychological. It's really hard to write psychological because you have to like essentially throw yourself into the point of view of the main character because you know really with any any piece of film or or TV or cinema or whatever you you have to you're essentially put in the perspective of, of whoever the character is. So how you experience it is is through the character's eyes, right? Um, so I mean like, you know they most writers are like, okay, so how's the audience experiencing this? And to be fair, it's not mo- mostly it's not the writer's fault. It's nine times out of ten, it's the producer, or the director that's oh, like, all right. that that's like, oh well, you know, we make this really good. Let's just let's just have them. Say the f word a bunch of times and like,
1: yeah, like it's just and these, these are these are educated people, professional people most of them yeah because it takes place um, of course in Hill House which is still set in Massachusetts where the original one was mm-hmm. so naturally it's a New England tie-in so we're interested in that and the, uh, the originally the 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 people were doing experiments with parapsychology with this professor and all. but in the new one in the Netflix one the family is uh, going to flip the house. So, they move in the entire clan for the summer, and of course, uh, all hell breaks loose, literally. Uh, I think a lot of the special effects on the ghosts are dorky. Uh, I mean, y- you've got, obviously, you know, things hanging from strings and all. You know, so, I mean, uh, uh, some of the concepts are interesting, but I think that the final part of um, Callie's question has to do with are they um, romanticizing death? and because th- everybody who dies because is, is you know hanging around and having conversations with everybody who didn 't, and at the end there 's the red room, uh, the shades of the shining right
2: yeah pretty much
1: and uh, th- they go in and uh, there there's um, there are a couple of interesting twists uh, the little girl that you first thought was a ghost girl actually is is the actual child of the Dudley couple, the people, the caretakers, and they 're well known in all the films, and uh, that sort of thing but the the, uh, the mother who has has died later in life because um, there are two it's polyphonic you've got the young crane family and then the older crane family when they're all estranged and that kind of thing and the mother has died the mother uh, is always saying uh, don't be afraid you will wake up meaning when you die you'll wake up and that's not a new concept uh, it's a little chilling. Uh, we've been very careful on this show to deal with people who've written to us saying, is it okay to commit suicide because you pop up in a parallel universe? That's the last thing we're trying to encourage people to do with our <laughs> theories anyway. And so uh, I, I saw a hint of that in, at the end of this film and even in the middle of it. I'm also one of about ten people in the United States who likes the actor Timothy Hutton, uh, who plays the uh, the older version of the father of the crane fan, Hugh Crane, who's actually the chief ghost in the other two things. Mm. So... Um, I I thought it was boring as it because they're they're getting into too much character development and too much uh, family dynamics uh, later on. I just thought. Well, they, they did have to pad really. it out
2: from like an hour and a half movie to like well, that's the thing. you know a bunch of episodes.
1: What was it ten hours or something? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Well, they were half hour segments, but it's very un- I don't yeah, have time for TV. It's very uncharacteristic of me. But I'm surprised I love- you watched it. Well, I love the writings of Shirley Jackson, and I wanted to see how they messed it up. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, they, you know,
2: it's it's that's a funny perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, it. I mean, I don't blame you because sometimes I watch remakes to see how badly they mess it up
1: too. Well, you went to film school, you can't help it.
2: Well, you know, because a lot of these these great films are are timeless, right? So, like, the key to achieving timelessness is to not reference anything that's like going on now. It's like yeah. if it, if anybody from like my generation thinks about like. I don't know, Adam Sandler, the first thing you think of is, like, Happy Gilmore or, like, <laughs> yeah. something like that. And it's because it's timeless. You know, they don't... They The only thing that's, like, any sort of reference to the time period it's in is, like, Bob Barker. And, like, other than that, it's, like, you know, it's... You can't really... You know, it's timeless. It's one of those things that you could watch over and over again or, like, any of these, like, classics because they're timeless. But when you get into films and things like, I don't know, American Horror Story and stuff, are people going to be talking about it 10 years down the line? probably not mm. because the whole point is it's shocking for the time period it's all about shock and how can we shock people into watching more of it and you know it's it gets boring and old and just unoriginal especially since like you know the whole horror genre now is just like it's all about shocking you rather than creating tension
1: the psychological
2: yeah well it's, it's
1: work that was done well what's you- the
2: scariest thing that that exists you know time waiting waiting is horrifying nothing happening is horrifying especially in the doctor's office exactly yeah, yeah if you're <laughs> waiting is the worst and you know the whole point of like horror is to like you know play on insecurities you have i mean that's why stephen king does so well in, mm. with everything because he picks things you know he may he may be a hack but like you yeah, know he
1: once told me he was a, he, i'm just a hack right but i'm good at it yeah, yeah, I, I mean, you know, you know, he
2: picks things that people aren't scared of and makes them scary, right? Yep. Like, it. He makes balloons scary. Yeah. Why are balloons scary? They're balloons. Or, like, um, Dreamcatcher or something like that. Toilets are now scary. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where, like, you know, you take everyday things and you make them scary because of that tension. Right. You know? It's yeah. the tension of waiting.
1: Well, there it is. Uh, Mark, I don't know if you have uh, any comment on that because we're going to start going around and before we burn up the hour uh tell a little bit about yourselves and where people can find out more but if you have a comment on that last last point uh please let us know
4: um i don't actually i was listening to ben and i, I thought that was uh that that was very well put you know about the taking the ordinary and turning it into the extraordinary mm. uh, in the ufo field we find people take ordinary photos that seem extraordinary <laughs> so it's sort of <laughs> well.
1: yes so, Mark, uh, tell us again. Where, uh, tell us about uh, sky, uh, sky Tour live stream. Uh, great stuff, and, and everything else you can think of about yourself that people can find out.
4: Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, uh, I do run the Sky Tour live stream uh, with Mark Antonio. It's on YouTube, and it's a nightly, uh, clear night deep sky foray. We go and look at uh, deep sky objects in seconds, not minutes. It would take normally, uh, and that is a uh, so the, Side stream to the uh, Sky Tour radio on kgraradio.com. and that shows. Well, it airs tonight at 9 p.m. every Sunday. Uh, and uh, I'm the chief photo and video analyst for Mufon. It can be found at fxmodels.com. You can find me at Mufon, and you can also find me at Sky Tour live stream on Facebook as well.
1: Very good. Excellent stuff. Uh, Shane, let's go to you.
0: Yep, my website, trueghost.com. Contact information is there. I also just started, uh, a little while ago, um, a YouTube channel. It's called Exposing the Paranormal TV. And I, right now I have two interviews in there, but I got a lot more lined up. Um, I've been kind of busy lately, so I haven't been doing them, but, but I'm gonna jump back on the saddle and, and get some of these in. So please, uh, go to, go, go there and subscribe. Okay. i will get that.
1: Alright, David.
3: Uh, for anything for the BFRO or Squatchachusetts, we have uh, just a Facebook page. We do have a website, com, but that's uh, actually down right now. But it's in the process of uh, getting another server yeah. and fixing it I love it up that for term. In,
1: obviously based on Massachusetts, Squatchachusetts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you see what he did there. Yeah, yeah thank very you. Very good. And uh, very much enjoyed your presentation at the Lemonster uh, Conference. Thank uh, you. Great to you conference.
0: Cool. I appreciate and, uh,
1: it. That's very good. Uh, us of course you can just find us at behindtheparanormal.com or newenglandghosts.com and all kinds of case histories and you get uh, if you have the time there are over 800 free uh, recorded shows from uh, our time on CBS radio and, and here at WON uh, over the years and uh, you can just go crazy with that too so I think uh, maybe I don't know if we can touch on maybe very briefly this final question from Diana in Perth Scotland
2: Perth, you say. Uh, Oh, yeah, there it is. It just bleeds over on the second page. So Diana writes to us, is it possible that some Yeti sightings could be the ghosts of Yeti? Uh, This could explain why they come and go uh, so quickly, and why they they sometimes can be seen in some populated areas.
1: Yeah, in the UK, they refer to Bigfoot as Yeti, so that's what's talking about Bigfoot. So, ah,
3: that's a tough one. I've never heard of any sightings in populated areas, but... um Yeti is more, I think, in Tibet and the uh, Himalayas. But uh, I think all animals and all energies are going to have a ghost, uh, and if they are real, then mm. who knows? There could be a
1: could be a ghost of a Yeti. But yeah, mm. hey, what do you mean by a ghost? Too? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Shane or Mark, anybody?
0: No, I got two possible, um, but but basically, like um, we were saying before, that. Um, You know, where the Bigfoot's footsteps, um, they they stop out of nowhere. I've seen this on paranormal cases, too, where I've been called to the house and and go in and people say something's going on in their house, and I go into the house, go to the back door, I see footsteps that are leading into the house. And then I go back into the other room, go back in the dining room, which I originally went, and all the chairs were stacked up on top of the table. I go into the kitchen. All the bar are stacked up on top of each other. I go to the back door again, and now there's footsteps leading out of the house. And I could see this through the inch of snow that was on the ground. And they started and stopped in the same spot. Mm-hmm. Nowhere for them have gone. But b- b- people have seen Bigfoot tracks do the same thing. So they've got to be multiversal or possibly bleedovers through parallel mm-hmm. bleedovers. Multiversal could mean
1: ghost. You know, because we yeah. don't have any other way to mm. explain it. So we're just about out of time. We get to our announcements. So um, okay, this coming Friday, uh, I'll be the main speaker at a fundraiser at or for the historic Old South Meeting House, corners of Routes One and One O Seven in Seabrook, New Hampshire. Also speaking will be researchers and broadcasters Willie Hassel and Lynn Nickerson. It's $10 at the door, and from 9 to 10 p.m., there will be a live broadcast of The Paranormal Matrix with host Willie Miranda on the KCOR Internet Radio Network. As far as we know, uh, that's our, for Ben and me, the, the, the final event of the 2018 season, and I we need the rest, so I'm kind of glad of it. Okay, go ahead, Ben.
2: Alrighty, Uh So, oh, we well are no, already, kind of, already kind of done kind of Yeah, so. All right.
1: So uh, anyway, my next book, Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeists, Parasites, and Parallel Worlds, has gone to the publisher, and I'm told it won't be released for another year. I don't know what, uh, I'm sure oh. the government has put a big damper. They don't want people to see it. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, but we'll keep you posted on that. Uh, our 2016 book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, is finally available as an ebook on Amazon, Kindle, and Apple iTunes. It's also available in stores. So uh, go look for that. And uh, there we'll, we go. Go
2: from, we'll go from there.
1: Okay. Yep. Uh, you can get all the books that we have in print as well. And if you order them online at either of our two websites, behindtheparanormal.com or newenglandghosts.com, we'll be happy to autograph them for you.
2: And speaking of it, behindtheparanormal.com, uh, you can find uh, pretty much more information about our show, our uh, many cases over the years, our public appearances, and you'll find uh, nearly 800 free recorded shows. From our 10 years, actually 11 years almost, uh, on the air, including our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts.
1: And also on those websites, you'll find direct links to several charities Ben and I have adopted. Uh, that includes usacares.org, uh, doing great stuff for U.S. veterans, Canadian veterans advocacy. They don't have the support we have here in this country for their veterans uh, a lot of times. Uh, We're related to some of them, and they don't get a lot of care. Uh, Helping Haiti's orphans as well. Uh, YouthmentoringConnection.org in Los Angeles. Uh, And the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. Uh, I particularly refer you to Youthmentoring.org in Los Angeles. Uh, Tony Larray out there doing amazing things with at-risk youth in the worst areas of of that that great city. But uh, just support them if you can. So, Ben, what's, what we got for next week?
2: So, next week, October 28th here on WON, 1240 AM and 99.3 FM, uh, we'll be talking about the, pa- the Pascagoula. Pascagoula Mississippi uh, UFO incident of 1973 with eyewitness Calvin Parker.
1: And I guess we're just about out of time, so we'll have to leave for quote the quote for next
2: week. Go for the quote. All
1: right. Carl Sagan, a religion old or new that stressed the magnificence of the universe as revealed by modern science might be able to draw forth reserves of reverence and awe hardly tapped by the conventional faiths. I'm Paul Eno.
2: And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on a great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency.